we're approaching the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is landing the plane of the sermon. He's turning from lots of uh, other kind of conversations, and he's kind of, kind of sharpening the, the, the spear, if you will, uh, of this last exhortations. These last exhortations are really trying to focus our minds on our own mortality, focus our minds on what's going to happen to us at, uh, at the end. Uh, really, every single section in the, in the uh, Sermon on the Mount could be tied to salvation. Uh, but here, you, you start to see uh, the, the importance of it. Really, verses 15 all the way to verse 23 could probably be one section. Uh, and then 24 to, to 28, you see this other idea of making sure you're, you're on solid uh, footing. Even the, the passage right above us in, in verse 13, enter by the narrow gates, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. <clears throat> there are many people who are going to walk. There are many people who are going to walk the way of destruction. There are many people who, who are going to listen to the ways of this world, and they're going to follow uh, the way to eternal destruction. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and a few find it. So really what Jesus is saying, there are two kinds of people in this world. There are people who are saved, and there's people who are uh, condemned. Uh, there's, th- there's people who have, have chosen the, the narrow gate, and there's cho- people who have chosen the wide road. There's people who are born again, born of God, and those people who are born of the evil and born of the devil. There's really only two camps in this world. And really what, what Jesus is saying in our text tonight is, is how do you determine if someone is uh, on safe ground, someone is, is, is true, a true disciple of the Lord Jesus? Of God. So in verse 15, Jesus says, Beware of false prophets. Anytime you see this in the, in the scriptures, we, we don't want to just kind of um, move over those too quickly. Uh, but Lord willing, in, in this church, in, in this pulpit, we're going to teach sound a doctrine. We're going to walk through the scriptures verse by verse, uh, chapter by chapter, you know, book by book. We want the God's word to be the center of all the things that we do here in this church. And, and sometimes when you're in a, in a congregation, in a gathering, where you're hearing maybe regular, good, solid, biblical teaching that we want to, to, to strive for at this church, is that we hear a warning like this, and sometimes we think that's for somebody else. Uh, but it's not for anybody else. It's for us. Beware of false teachers. And every time you see that, you need to understand that there are false teachers and there are false prophets, those who try intentionally to teach that which is false. Some don't try to do it intentionally, but they don't know what they're saying is wrong. Some of the, 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 the most prominent false teachers of our day are very kind. They're gracious people. But their, their fruit, as you'll see, is, is, is that which is not of of the Lord. So it says, beware of false prophets. Now, a prophet in those days, those who would make pronouncements of things that would happen, and the way you judge whether a prophet is true or not is, did what they say happen? If they say, thus says the Lord, and it didn't happen, well, then you're a false prophet. We see this all throughout the Old Testament. So it says, beware of false prophets who come to you, Look at listen to this, they come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Uh, so it means they, they come into a, a gathering of God's people. They come into a group and they, they look the part. They clothe themselves in the clothing, the outward appearance of a sheep. Someone who's marked as a people, marked as a, someone who belongs to God. But inwardly, 
they're ravenous wolves. I mean, think about the picture, picture here. If you think about an image of a wolf seething at the mouth, you know, the, the drool kind of hanging, right? Well, they're not going to show you that face. They're going to show you the smile. They're, they're going to look the part. They're going to say all the, the right things or, or almost all the right things, but they're not going to give you the full picture. But inwardly, they're out to destroy you. They're, they're against you. And Jesus is saying, beware of false prophets. You know, churches are, are, have been full of false teachers since the days of Christ. There's been over 2,000 years of documentation of false teachers who have said the wrong things. Now, the reason why this is so important for us is because if you say the wrong things, you lead people to hell. If you teach the false doctrine, even though you're a really, really nice person, what you're producing is people who are going to take the wide road and fall away from and fall from God's grace, God's presence. This is the, the, the where we're going to get to, to next week. The pastor Daniel is going to take us through. And this is this is how we can tell. How can you tell if someone is a is a, a wolf or a sheep? Well, he says it very clearly, you will recognize them by their fruits. You, you will see what's going on in their life. And this is an analogy, beloved, that's not just true for false teaching. This is an analogy for everything in your life. It is that you have to, oftentimes, all we see is the fruit. But there's that, 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 that fruit is connected to something inside. It's connected to, to, to the roots. So the, the analogy that Jesus uses here is very simple. You're going to judge a tree by its fruit. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Well, no. Grapes are gathered from the vine. Figs are gathered from fig trees. A thistle is not going to produce figs, and, and, and thorn bushes are not going to produce grapes. I mean, everyone would have known that. That's common sense. So every healthy tree bears good fruit. And that, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. So maybe we should just kind of pause here for a moment and ask ourselves is, are we a, a healthy tree producing healthy fruit? Or are we a diseased tree producing diseased fruit? Now we know that we are all sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We all have done things wrong. We've all have made mistakes. But to, to be a healthy tree is, is no longer to live for myself primarily, but it's to, to, to repent of my sins and trust in Christ. And to believe that Jesus Christ came and lived and died and rose again, ascended to heaven, and is coming back for his people. It's believing in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ as our only hope for salvation. And when we believe that Jesus Christ is our king, we don't just, just believe that, giving it a mental assent to it. We, we believe it with our whole heart. Our lives are changed by it. This is why you see this picture in, in Ephesians. You put off that which is uh, um, old and, that which is, and you put on that which is new. So if you used to be one who used profanity and, and used foul language, well, you put that off and now you use words to build people up. If you used to steal, well, now you put that off and now you, you, you work and you give to others. Your life has changed. If Jesus Christ is your king, you're going to live as, his, as if he's your king. You're going to try to live for his glory and for his his honor. And yet too often in our lives, we, our lives don't always look like that. So let me just kind of say two things first. First, 
is if you are a Christian, you are born again, you are uh, giving your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, you are safe and secure until, until the day of, of, of glory. Fully and completely. If Jesus Christ has caused your heart to become alive in him, you are safe. Uh, my aim tonight is not to discourage or just make, frustrate anyone's assurance of salvation. If you have repented and believed in Jesus Christ, you are safe. Full stop and amen. Praise God for the, the, the sanctifying, persevering work of God in our lives. But the question I have to ask you is, are you a healthy tree? Now, if you have not repented of your sins, and if you have not trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, well, the Bible would say that you are a diseased tree. Or in the, maybe in the next sentence, you are a bad tree. Meaning that you, you have a heart that, is, that, that has been corrupted from this world, and you need a new heart. You, you were dead, and now you need to be made alive. So if you're here and you're not a Christian, if you've never put your hope and your faith in Jesus Christ, I would ask you to repent of your sins and trust in Christ because that's the only narrow way, that's the narrow gate that's going to lead you to eternal life. Now here's the kicker. How do we know that if we are a good tree or a bad tree? Because the Bible often says, do not be self-deceived. Do not be deceived. I mean, how many times do we, do we read it in the scriptures? Well, here's the thing. We can be deceived. We can deceive ourselves. We can think one thing and actually it not be true. And all Jesus says here is you can judge a tree by its fruit. So I ask you again, are you a good tree or are you a diseased tree? Well, you have to look at the fruit of your life. What, what, what do people see in your life? If you say, I am a good tree, pastor, I've given my life to the Lord Jesus Christ, but you're always angry. You're always condescending to people. You always act in self-righteousness. You continue to, 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 to live in a life of lust and deceit. I mean, you may look like a sheep here. I mean, there's no one that I'm looking right now that I'm not looking out there and saying, I'm seeing wolves in the congregation. But I don't know what you're doing at home. I don't know what you're thinking about inside. I don't know the things that are churning on inside of you. You know that. Are you a good tree or are you a diseased tree? And what Jesus is saying, listen, there's going to be false prophets who teach certain things that are going to, they're going to lead you astray. And I don't want to talk about them in general. The easiest ones we can talk about are the, are the prosperity gospel uh, teachers and preachers. And then you have the, that in our culture. You also have those who, the, who promote the LGBTQ plus movement, right, that try to uh, maybe celebrate a promiscuity, kind of lowering the bar of what God says is, is, is sin. Uh, if you're concerned about what a false teacher looks like, read Second uh, Peter. We recently have gone through that on Sunday morning. Second uh, Peter chapter 2, uh, Jude. Uh, you can just kind of see the different ways that um, uh, both those brothers talk about false teachers. Keep on going in verse 18. It says, A healthy tree uh, cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. So if you are a, an apple tree, you're going to produce apples. Uh, if you are a, a vine, you're going to produce grapes. This is just how things work. And if you are a, if you're, if you're a bad tree, you're eventually going to show bad fruit. So if your life is characterized by bad fruit, things that don't belong to God, well, then I don't know if you are a good tree. And you may need to repent of your sins and trust in Christ. Listen to the passage that you just said right above. 
Wide is the road that leads to destruction, and many find it. Narrow is the way that leads to life, and few find it. Salvation, in one sense, beloved, is very simple. We put everything on Jesus. We trust in Jesus Christ and him alone for our salvation. We don't put any stock in our ability to keep uh, the, the, the works of the law. We'll see that on Sunday, right? Uh, we saw, saw this past week that we've all gone astray. No one is righteous, no, not one. So, so we know that about our heart. But when we give our lives to Jesus, there's a transformation that happens. And bit by bit, our life changes where that which we once did is now changed and we're actually producing good fruit. Let me, let me go with me to Galatians chapter 5. This is a, a good picture of the, the picture of fruit. And I would just ask you, as I, as I read these, these lists in Matthew chapter, or sorry, Galatians chapter 5, which one more reflects you? This helps you understand if you are a diseased tree or if you are a good tree. Beginning in, let me just start in verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh, and I would say the works of a diseased tree, same, the fruits of a diseased tree, sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, or war, hatred, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, origins, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So what Paul is doing here, Paul is drawing on the same words of the Lord Jesus. If you are a diseased tree and you are producing diseased fruit, if you're producing fruit that shows that you're from a diseased tree, you will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. It means you're lost. You're dead in your trespasses and, and your sins. This is a very serious passage. Now, I could read that list, and you could say some of those lists may apply to me at certain times. Uh, I'm not saying that <clears throat> those aren't things that we may struggle with. Even this idea of jealousy, that's probably a more common one. You know, we're probably not going to be struggling here with maybe or orgies, but you have this idea of, of, of jealousy. That's, that's probably more common, right? When someone gets a promotion, you may have something rising up in your heart like, why not me? Someone gets recognition and you don't, well, don't I deserve that? Well, that means what, what, you're, what, that, what that desire is in your heart is saying, listen, me. I want to be praised. I want to be lifted up. And I'm the center and not God and his glory. If all good gifts come from God, if God gives a growth to somebody else, praise God. I was tempted to, to have jealousy today on social media. I looked at a brother who, who, who did something well for the kingdom. And you know what happened in my heart? this little twinge of like being jealous of what they did. And I just had, I had like, I just kind of like chuckled. I laughed and I said, praise God for his good gifts. Today, I'm preaching, I'm showing good fruits and this is happening in my heart today. Listen, I'm not saying those things are gonna happen, but when they happen, we, we turn from them and we turn back to Christ. But if your life is 
characterized by these things, you're in, you're, you're in, you're in trouble. But then he goes on and says this, verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourselves, lest you too be tempted. Bear one of his burdens and so fulfill the law of, of Christ. If anyone thinks he is in something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But the one who attests his own work and then his, his reasons to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each one will have to bear his own load. Oftentimes we think about these two as almost two distinct passages, but this idea of fruit, and, and if you're of the flesh or you're of the spirit, he goes down and says, test your own work. Test yourselves. Listen, guys, it's not fun to test yourselves. I mean, I remember, I mean, I've shared this story with probably many a times as a pastor of a church of over 10 years. You say a lot, you say a lot of the same things. Um, early on in my marriage, I would ask Alan, hey, sweetie, what are things that I can do to become a better husband? The problem is she told me. She didn't say, well, sweetie, you're the greatest husband in the world. There is nothing for you to improve on, right? That's what I wanted her to say because I was judging my own work. I'm thinking, man, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm pretty good. And then she started laying out all the ways that I can improve. And I just didn't like it, right? But you know, what, what, what I'm saying is, they were testing the fruit of my life. And I didn't have maybe the best eyes to see it. This is why I think we need to live in community. Community with our spouses, a community with our, 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 our good friends, community here in the church. You need to ask people and say, hey, listen, what's the fruit that you see in my life? Do you see patience or irritability? Do you, do, you consider my, do, you, do you consider me to be someone who is kind or condescending? Do I use my words to build people up or am I sarcastically jabbing at people all the time? Am I passive aggressive revealing my, my things I'm unhappy with or do I just confront people in love? Well, those are a little bit harder to start thinking, okay, let me test some fruit in my life. Well, if you go back to Matthew Verse 18, again, every, a healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor a diseased tree can bear bad, good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. You know, as a pastor, uh, there's an, a lot of people who come to me and they tell me, um, hey, pastor, I'm struggling with my assurance of salvation. Again, I told you at the beginning, I don't want to, to make you struggle with your assurance of salvation. If you are saved, you are saved till the end. The good work that God began in you, he'll carry on to completion to the day of Christ Jesus. Amen and amen. And yet, if you're living a life, making a practice of sin, with the, f the fruit of your life is not love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, but if it's sexual morality, if it's jealousy, if it's dissension, if it's strife, if that's the characteristics of your life, well, you may not 
be a good tree. It may be a diseased tree. And I can't tell you that you're okay. I can't tell you that you're saved. Why? Because the Bible says that if you don't bear good fruit, you will be cut down and thrown into the fire. The passage here is about eternal judgment. If you don't live for the Lord and for his glory, you will be condemned. But pastor, we're saved by grace. We are. Amen and amen. There is nothing that you can do to be saved. You are saved by grace alone, through faith, so that no man can boast. God gets all the glory for our salvation. But there's, a, there's another verse right after that in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. But we are created in Christ Jesus for good works, prepared in advance for us to, to do. So listen, this is the, 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 the challenge of a pastor is trying to stay between this line, right? So I'm trying, I'm trying to stay right here in the center aisle. If I tell you that you have to be good and do good works, and you leave here saying, I have to be good and do good works in order to, to be right with God, you have just heard a false gospel. Because it's not about doing good and, and, and having good works in order that you could be saved. That's heresy. That's a false prophet. But I can't say at the same time is that if you accepted Jesus Christ then you, on this side, and you can live any way, way you want. And you don't have to worry about sin because you're forgiven, because Jesus Christ covers all your sin. So if you land on one ditch or you land on another ditch, you, you run right into heresy. Although the Bible says this, the Bible says if you were saved by grace alone in Christ alone, I mean, Jesus Christ came and lived and died for you. He took your sins to the grave and he was raised in power by the Holy Spirit and ascended to the right hand of God. He now lives forever interceding for his children. And because you believe that Jesus Christ did all that for you, you want to say no to your flesh, no to your sin. You want to kill the sin in your life and you want to run to Jesus. Now, there'll be times in your life, beloved, that sin will look enticing and sin will look attractive to you. But you yet again say no to sin and yes to Jesus. Because if you don't, you may not love Jesus. Do you know how many times people think that they love Jesus, but they are self-deceived? Because a tree is judged by his fruit. A good tree bears good fruit. A diseased tree, a bad tree, bears bad fruit. This is why we need brothers and sisters. This is why I also read that full passage in Galatians, is because if you see someone in this body who is living with bad fruit, you must, in gentleness, try to restore your brother and sister to the truth. And if someone is struggling and fighting against sin to do what is right, that's a good sign that the Holy Spirit's stirring in them. Praise God for that, that stirring. If you're giving yourself to sin and there's no remorse and there's no fight and you're just continuing to live and rejoice in that sin, well, that's, that's, that's danger zone. There's no confidence for that person on the day of judgment. This is a community project. The Sermon on the Mount was not just given to, uh, to, to, to one person in a small room. This was given to a crowd of people. 
that was given to his disciples is given to us. So we have to say, okay, I want to make sure people are living in, in, in good fruit. Now, can I say this is kind of a, an aside? I don't know how to say this based on what I'm, what I'm talking about tonight, but we don't want to be self-righteous and judgmental when we talk about other people's salvation. Sometimes this happens in our congregation, and I just want to just, just maybe a word of caution. We'll be talking about someone that we're interacting with. Oftentimes it happens here on a Wednesday night in prayer time, and we'll say something like, I'm not sure if they're saved. That may be true. We want to believe the best about people, but we also want to just discern them, right? We can say, I'm praying for more fruit in their lives. Because we, we are not the Holy Spirit. We can't look at someone and say, I don't think that you're saved. I mean, if they say that, that we could say, based on the fruit of your lives, based on how you're talking, based on how you're living, we don't have confidence that you're a Christian. And as a church, what do we do? We, we actually remove our affirmation and we put you outside of the church. And we actually treat you as an unbeliever. This is, what, this is actually the job of, your, of the church member. You know, when we talk about congregationalism, you know, congregationalism does not mean that you make the final decision on uh, every matter in the life of the church. Being a good congregational church does not mean that we have to, um, you know, your primary role is to make sure that every dollar is spent well or, you know, uh, every color is picked out in every room well, right? That's a bad form of congregationalism. A congregationalism is that you are responsible for the souls of each other in this body. You affirm who is and who is not a Christian based on their testimony. So when we stand here on, 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 on Sunday and have a, have a members meeting and I, we share this person's life, this is their testimony, we have heard them confess the gospel, we strongly recommend them to you to bring them into membership. What you're saying is we believe that they're Christians and now we're going to hold them accountable for it. And if they start bearing bad fruit, what do we do? Galatians chapter 6, in love, we go to them and say, brother, sister, I'm concerned for your soul because it looks like your life is bearing bad fruit. A couple passages before, what do we do? We take the plank out of our own eye. We're not trying to say we're better than you. We take the plank out of our own eye and then help our brothers and sisters with, with sawdust in, in theirs, with the speck in their own eyes. Why? Is because if we don't, they may be a bad tree. And a bad tree will be cut down and will be thrown into the fire. The road is wide that leads to destruction and many find it. Narrow is the way that leads to life and few find it. Jesus ends this exhortation with a simple thing, thus you will recognize them by their fruits. This is one of the reasons why it's great to be part of a congregation. Uh, this is one of the reasons why I love being a pastor uh, of this church in particular. Uh, I was talking to a pastor today, and he was just telling me about his church life and his church's experience. He said, listen, I've been at my church for 11 years. And as soon as he said that, I'm like, I've been at my church for 11 years. And he kept on going on and on about what God has done in the life of, the, life of his church and sharing all these stories. And my heart just stirred because that's the testimony that I have here. I have seen story after story of God's grace, of God's grace. I can look out there right now, and I have individual conversations with lots of you of how God is working in your life, how God is changing you, how God is, is growing you in holiness and growing you in righteousness, is calling you to turn away from sin and turn to Jesus. It is a, a beautiful thing. 
I have been able to judge many of you by your fruits in saying that you are good trees. You are good trees who have been born again by the Spirit of Almighty God. And I rejoice that as, as elders here, we get to see good fruit in our church left and right. But know, know this, if we don't see good fruit, we're going to come to you in love and in grace, and we pray that you would go to one another in love and in grace so that no tree here would be cut down and thrown into the fire. But one day, that tree will be plucked up from the ground, but it will be taken to the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be welcomed into his eternal kingdom forever and ever and ever. And the fruits that you bear there will be good and righteous forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Beloved, let us strive for that. Father, we pray that we would be aware of false prophets and false teachers. We pray that we'd be aware of our own souls, that you'd give us wisdom and discernment to, to help us judge the fruits of our lives. God, if there's anything in our lives that is not good fruit, we pray that we would repent and turn to you. We pray that no one of us here, Lord, would, would be cut down and thrown into the fire. We pray, God, that we would hear your warning and that we would rejoice yet again in the gospel, knowing that we are saved not because of the good works that we have done, but by your mercy. So, Father, we pray that you would guard us, protect us, help us not fall in one ditch, trusting in our works, in the other ditch, thinking that we don't need works. We pray, God, that we would trust in Jesus. And because we trust and believe in Jesus, we would live a life of good works and trusting in his work and his work alone for our salvation. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.